It's a brand new year. And for some reason, brand new years just give us an extra desire to start over. I guess it gives us an opportunity to start over. Uh, the year uh, dates start over. And it's just a time for brand new beginnings. Now, how many of you made a New Year's resolution? Let's see your hands. If you made a New Year's resolution. Two. Okay. <laughs> Y'all are wise people. Because I think it's only like 17% of people wind up keeping New Year's resolutions that they make. Uh, it's, uh, and one of the reasons why I think that's so is because we don't follow a scriptural principle. Usually, whenever we're making New Year's resolutions, we decide we're going to stop doing something like, uh, you know, I'm going to stop smoking or I'm going to uh, stop doing something else. We're going to put off something, basically. Get something out of our lives. But you know, Jesus uh, told a story about uh, a man who was delivered from a demon. And it says that the demon wandered around in dry places and he came back and he found the place all uh, gussied up. And so he came back in and brought, I think it's seven of his brothers with him, you know, and he wound up worse off afterwards than he did before. And the thing is, he found the place empty. And the principle is whenever you put something off, when you put something negative off, you need to replace it with something else, consciously replace it with something else. And Paul, uh, as he is writing to the Ephesians and telling Christians how to walk, he covers uh, the fact that we are entering into a brand new life and that we're supposed to be getting rid of some old stuff and replacing it with new stuff. And I want us to go back a little bit uh, to the 17th verse in the chapter of uh, uh, chapter four of Ephesians. It says, so this I affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. The futility of their mind. Now I want to pause there because this past week, Sharon and I were just talking about how people who don't know Jesus Christ are walking in a darkness. And it's not just, oh, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. It's a darkness that, that, that comes from having no real purpose or meaning in life. And so people cast about looking for different things. And sad to say, some people have settled in church for less than a life in Christ. I was uh, uh, reading something that a pastor wrote uh, yesterday about how he was talking with uh, a group of uh, people in a Bible study. And this uh, one lady said, well, you know, I don't believe in the virgin birth. And uh, she and he, he said, oh, OK. And then how about the rest of you ladies? And none of those ladies in that group, in that Bible study, 
believed in the virgin birth. And so later on, he was having to talk to one of the church leaders about something. And he said, you know, I just was in a Bible study and not one of the people in the Bible study believed in the virgin birth. And she said, well, I don't either. And I uh, said, well, you know, I don't, I don't think you have to believe in the virgin birth to be a Christian. I said, well, and then, so then he said, well, well, what about the resurrection? Do you believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead? And she stopped and paused for a moment and said, no, I don't. And uh, the thing is, he said, then he said, so, so why, why are you involved in church? And she said, because I like the fellowship and I like the feeling when I go there and I like to get some comfort. And there are a lot of people that that is why they're involved in the church. And they've, they just never thought about anything. They go, they, they, maybe they were raised in church and just gone through things and it's just wrote to them and they do it, but they've never really embraced what it's really all about. And uh, the sermon I was going to give this morning was about the importance of believing in the virgin birth. Even more than that, in the virgin conception, the fact that Jesus did not have uh, a uh, his father is God. And I'm going to save that for closer to Easter. But the bottom line is that whenever he died, the blood that flowed through his body wasn't tainted with the sin that had been passed on through Adam's race. And so that's why Paul calls him the second Adam. And only one who uh, knew no sin could be a perfect sacrifice for those who have sinned. And this morning, well, as we go to communion, we're going to be sep- we're going to be celebrating uh, the wondrous sacrifice that Jesus made and all the trouble that God has gone through. Not we're not be cel- we're not celebrating a myth. We're not celebrating some fairy tale. We're celebrating something that uh, is much greater. We're celebrating a life that we have been called into. It's not uh, just one uh, uh, way of thinking among many. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Well, whenever you are walking in the futility of your mind, you're going to find meaninglessness and purposelessness, and you're going to settle for much less. You're going to settle for just feeling good about doing good for somebody else. You're going to settle for uh, uh, the feeling that you get when good music is played in church. And I think that's why we wind up with what we call the worship wars in church, where whenever you start uh, uh, trying to have any church, you if you've got just a regular service going, you start trying to have a contemporary service. Oh, man, Katie, bar the door. Uh, things are going to happen because to those people that it's just the service that matters, any change in that is tantamount to changing God as they know him. 
And so they just get all discombobulated. And you want to see a congregation just really start showing how Christian they really are. Start tinkering with the worship service. It's amazing. It's amazing. They don't understand. It's not about the order of worship. It's not about the songs we sing. However, the songs should be edifying to us and the songs should lift up and glorify Jesus. I wish we had more songs that addressed him instead of just singing about him. We don't have a lot of really worship songs in the Methodist church. Instead, we sing about God instead of to him. But it's good that we glorify him by singing about him. I'm not saying they're bad. And the theology that's there is the theology that we carry with us. If we'll listen to the words, you know, like I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses, the chorus, and he walks with me and talks with me. For years, I thought those were just words. And then whenever I met the living Christ, I discovered that you could walk with him and you could talk with him and he would tell you, you are his own. And so these, we, we pay no attention to the words. We just go through the motion, some of us. But, and so there are people even in church is what I'm saying that are living in the futility of their mind. And when somebody's living in that and somebody close to them dies, and they don't really have uh, a, a faith and they haven't, uh, and that person, they haven't shared faith with that person. Yes, they're in a bleak place. They're in a dark place. They're living in the futility of their mind and they don't have to live there. So he says, don't be like the Gentiles. You're Christians. Be different. And then he goes, Oh, and he explains, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God. There is a life of God that is meant to be ours. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And yet so many people just walk in darkness and listen to the reason why. They're walking in the futility of their mind. First of all, because of the ignorance that is within them, because they don't know, they haven't heard, or they haven't. Sometimes there is deliberate ignorance. Sometimes people can have the truth put before them and refuse to receive it. But uh, so there's the, because of the ignorance that is in them, and then he goes on and says, because of the hardness of their heart. And I think that pride is one of the things that hardens the heart more than anything else. But there are many other things that can harden our hearts as well. But the thing, one of the things that we need to all be working on is our ignorance. That's why we need to read God's word. But until we accept that this is God's word, and these words apply to us, we're still going to continue in ignorance. So we have to embrace what he has for us. And then after that, we have to open our hearts. We have to open our hearts and allow him to come in. And when he does, his Holy Spirit comes to us 
And ultimately, as we yield our lives to him, quit running from God and start walking toward him, he will come and fill us with his Holy Spirit and he'll give us a brand new life. And uh, but sometimes, you know, uh, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, we wind up in a bad spot again. Just like today, we're going to walk away from communion. We're going to go outside. We're going to get in our cars. We're going to feel good because we've been in church this morning. And there and there's a sense of the Holy Spirit with us while we're in here together because Jesus has promised where two or more gathered together in his name that he would be in the midst of them. And so we gather here and we sense this wonderful presence of God. But how long does it last? I remember when I was a kid, I'd go out thinking, okay, here I go. You know, I'm, I'm right with God now. And we'd get in the car and uh, somebody in the car would get in the wrong place or they'd cross that imaginary line that's in the back of the car between the kids, you know, and all of a sudden everything would be out the window. And by the time I'd get home, I'll be thinking, oh man, am I ever going to be able to carry this with me through an entire day even? And what I want to really share with you this morning is the way that you can do that. A lot of you are making resolutions and so I say a lot of you, maybe here we're talking to people on podcasts, maybe they are, I mean, two of y'all are making resolutions. But anyway, uh, there's, uh, we're, we're trying to, we're going to be starting over with this clean slate. And, uh, so many resolutions are aimed so low. And so I want to encourage you to, uh, aim higher as you begin this year. And let's let this day be a new beginning in our walk with God like we have never, ever let it been before. That this will be the day when we walk out of here filled with his spirit, knowing that we can continue in it. Now, whenever you come to know the Lord, he begins to do a work in you. He transforms you. Some things go away immediately. I remember John Wesley said that he thought that sin had been killed in his life and that he would never sin again. And then he discovered it had just been stunned. And then it came back around. How many of y'all watched the Ronda Rousey fight the other night? None? Oh, okay. 48 seconds that fight. People paid $90 for that fight. Lasted 48 seconds. There was one time the referee stopped the fight at exactly the right time. Her legs were buckling. She was going down and he stepped in and kept her from being. She was stunned. But see, she got back up. And that's the way sin is in our lives whenever we come to know the Lord. And all of a sudden we have to deal with the reality of sin in our lives. And Paul talks about this where he says, I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I do want to do. And, uh, and he says, wretched man that I am, who can save me from all this? And he says, thanks be to Christ Jesus, our Lord. But the thing is, is that Paul goes all through a principle here of putting off and putting on 
And uh, he goes on and he says, and they having become callous have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. Whenever you don't have a higher place in life to go, when you don't have heaven as your ultimate destination, when you're not walking daily with the Lord and knowing his presence in your life, then all you have is impurity and greediness in some form or fashion. But you did not learn Christ in this way, he says, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus that in reference to your former manner of life, and here's the principle, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you be renewed at the very core of where your thought processes and your uh, emotions lie that you be renewed there in him and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, therefore, stopping lying and deceiving, speak truth, each of you to his neighbor for we are members one of another. Be angry and yet do not sin, nor let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with. See, you lay, lay off stealing, lay that aside, and you start working. Uh, let no, then this is what brought me to this this morning. A month ago, the Lord started working in my heart. You know, even though I'm 70 years old now, I am still growing in the Lord. He is, where well, he always has a project going with me. And I think that he, and if you're walking with him, he has a project going with you. Now, the secret is to pay attention. If you, and, and some of you may feel far from the Lord, it's because he had a project going with you and you didn't pay any attention. Well, my project, the thing that he, and he just revealed something, he let me see and hear something about myself. It says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, that is building up according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Now, my sense of humor is such or has been in the past to where sometimes I will say things in a snide way and it really won't be edifying. Sometimes I will say things jokingly that might even hurt somebody. And I didn't even know it. I didn't know this about myself until the Lord just let me see my humor could be harmful. 
So it's not that I'm not ever going to tell a joke anymore, but, uh, but the Lord has started letting me hear myself. And I do not want to say anything that's going to be derogatory to another person. I'm not going to say anything that can be misconstrued uh, if I can help it. I want to, from this point on, be sure that my words are wholesome. That uh, any jokes that I tell don't have a hint of filth to them or of uh, something that's tawdry or anything like that. This is what he's working on with me. What is your growing edge? Where is he working with you? Uh, let's go on through the list. And if you haven't found one already, and I, mean, I don't think y'all are stealing or anything, but listen to the rest of the things that are here. Uh, maybe it is un unwholesome words, words that aren't what they should be. But he goes on and he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And this is my desire for this year is to live through an entire day, every day without grieving the Holy Spirit. And if you don't grieve him, he stays with you and his presence stays with you. And we've already gone through some of the things that grieve the Holy Spirit. But listen to these. These may you know, guard your toes. This may hurt. Okay. Uh, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. No unwholesome, stinky, rotten, derogatory, filthy words. No putting someone down or speaking ill of them. Instead, edifying people. You know, this bitter, with the difference, but you know, bitterness, he's saying, put it aside, lay it down. And the words that are used there are the word where you, you take something and you put it away. Some of you are going to be taking down. How many of y'all have Christmas decorations, right? They're still up. Yeah, me too. And we're going to be taking ours down, putting them in boxes, and then we're going to put them away. And they'll be out of sight and out of mind, hopefully, uh, for quite a while. But then what will we do? Next year, we're going to start digging. Where did I put those? We're going to pull them back out. That's not the sort of putting away. This is the way we do it a lot of times. We'll put aside anger and malice and bitterness and those things. And then what do we do? We do go dig them out and open the box and it all comes out again. And it's hard. And this is where the, the rubber meets the road as far as the Christian faith goes, is to keep those things put away. Whenever you put it away, it's not like putting it up in the attic or out in the garage. You put it in the garbage can and then you it's gone. You walk away from it and it's gone. That's what he's talking about. We have the coolest garbage men in our neighborhood. They actually jog through the neighborhood. 
I mean, they wear, they look like a rock. You all go hear the Rocky theme song, you know, da da da, da da da. Because they don't wear jogging clothes. They wear like racing clothes, like spandex stuff. And they push these big cars and they jog down the road. They'll come down your driveway and grab your stuff, throw it in, and then they'll, you'll be sitting there eating breakfast. And here a guy comes running by and he goes running back out again. It's just amazing. But then whatever was back there in our garbage can is gone. This is the way he's saying it should be with the things that we, these sort of things that we put away. Now, bitterness is a harsh thing to hang on to. Wrath is just anger amplified, isn't it? Anger is a, you wish an ill of people when you're, uh, there's this, I ran across this, uh, a young lady, there's a story of a young lady who walked into her dad and she was writing a paper and asked her father, dad, what's the difference between anger and exasperation? And the father replied, well, it's mostly a matter of degree. Let me show you what I mean. And so the father picked up the telephone and he dialed a number at random. And to the man that answered the phone, he said, hello, is Melvin there? And the man answered, there's no one living here named Melvin. Why don't you learn to look up numbers before you dial? And uh, see, the father said to his daughter, the man was not a bit happy with our call. He was probably very busy with something and we annoyed him. Now, watch. And the father hit redial. Hello, is Melvin there? Asked the father. Now look here, came the heated reply. You just called this number and I told you there is no Melvin here. You got a lot of guts calling again. Wham! The receiver slammed down hard. The father turned to his daughter and said, you see, that was anger. Now I'll show you what exasperation means. <laughs> he hits redial again. The same number. And when a violent voice roared, hello! The father calmly said, hello, this is Melvin. Have there been any calls for me? <laughs> now then, that guy, the guy on the other end, if he could have gotten to the guy pretended to be Melvin, that guy would have experienced his wrath. Wrath is anger just amplified but we put away all those things and uh the thing is all those things we need to get out of our lives because they don't do us any good anyway they just rob us they steal joy from us and if we let them you he said paul does say earlier be angry and sin not anger is an emotion it's going to come up but what do you do with it and the thing is, we don't have time to go through this today, but the thing is, anger, he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. By the time the day's over, when you go to bed at night, have it put away. Don't carry it through the night and into the next day. Well, hopefully, going through this list, maybe you have found your growing edge. I have found mine and yours Maybe something else, but I, but whatever you do, you're going to, we're going to have an opportunity in just a minute, in just a second.
to come to the Lord's table to receive his washing and cleansing anew and to walk away with his spirit in our hearts. And he's going to be with us. And let's resolve as we all go out that we're going to do our best in a relationship with him not to quench the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.